What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoo-ah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Welcome to this week's Bad With Money Mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn. This week, I'm joined by our new semi-co-host, Mal Blum, to react and respond to your messages and emails. Let's get into it. Hello, Mal. Hello. Hello, world. Wow. Hype, hype, hype. Hype, hype. It's me, Mal, from Hype House. (laughs) No, not from Hype House. I don't know what that is. Oh, God. It's like a TikTok thing. Anyway... On today's show, I'm going to read an email from Katie about ADHD budgets, also one from Jessica about the same. We also got two Instagram DMs about ADHD budgeting, so you guys had a lot of thoughts. We got like four messages about ADHD budgets. Let me tell you something. People have thoughts about pets, they have thoughts about gay stuff, and they have thoughts about ADHD, and that's the that's the Venn diagram of this show. Wait, did you tell me it was an ADHD episode? I probably forgot. No. Oh, stop. Okay, we also have an email from Allie about pet insurance, ESAs, and being a therapist, and then in the second half of the show, I'm going to read two Apple reviews, some advice from Emily for our listener who's about to be fired, so wait, there's ideas for topics to cover, and I'll welcome a new patron. Okay, let's get into it so here is some advice from emily for our listener who said that she surreptitiously found out she was about to be fired and she was freaking out mm. do you remember that email it was a real good i do one. okay i do actually if you were the person who wrote in saying that you were had found out you were about to be fired and you didn't know what to do and and nobody knew that you knew please write in with a follow-up but anyway so emily had some really good advice for you Hi, Gabby. I've worked with the unemployed for many years and wanted to reach out with a few pieces of advice for your listener who may lose their job soon. One, do not quit your job. I say this not because of any loyalty to the employer, but because quitting versus waiting to get laid off may impact eligibility for benefits and services. In my state, it is almost impossible for someone to get unemployment benefits if they quit. If they are laid off, it's usually a pretty simple process. Two, apply for services right away. 
Look into unemployment, SNAP, a.k.a. food stamps, healthcare, rental assistance, and anything else you might benefit from. This is not a time for pride. As a working adult, you have paid into the system for years, and now it's your turn to benefit. When you start working again, you will pay back in. You deserve these benefits. Be persistent, pushy, and polite. There are some programs that really take some follow-through to access. It can be frustrating, but will be worth it to help offset financial stresses that may occur. You may be able to apply for some benefits with just a notice of layoff. Others may need you to wait until you're unemployed. Three, language matters. If a job leaves you due to no fault of your own, you are not fired. This may seem like semantics, but it can have a real impact on personal morale and esteem and can impact how future employers look at you. Many people lose jobs when companies downsize, close, or leave an area. This is not an employee's fault and is usually out of the individual's control. Don't accept or take on the blame on their behalf. The company cost you the job and stability, not you, your quality of work, or actions. Oh, so saying let go or downsized rather than uh, fired is very interesting. Okay, four, know there is help out there. There is a federal program called the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, WIOA, that provides all sorts of benefits to displaced workers, usually for no cost at all. This might include job search and resume help, tuition to return to school for upskill training, paid job training slash internships, computer skills, and a lot more. The unemployment office in most states should be able to show you the right direction. Five, take a little time to grieve. Most people don't realize this, but losing a job is a loss just like the death of a family member or the end of a relationship. You will be sad. You will be angry. You will go through all the steps, and that's okay and normal. I lost a job 20 years ago and still suspect I might push on the gas rather than the brake if I were driving and saw the manager who laid me off walking across the street. It's normal. Six. I don't know if that's normal. (laughs) Emily. You suspect that you would kill a man? Emily, it was like, it was like normal, normal. I might kill a guy. Normal, normal. (laughs) That's kind of the vibe of this show. Okay. Yeah. Six. Finally, after taking a little time to grieve, take action. It can be really tempting to wallow or maybe even celebrate a little too long. Friends and family will see you as their go-to helper, babysitter, errand runner because you aren't doing anything right now. Get involved with job hunting groups. Look into retraining sooner rather than later. Set up a schedule for job search and self-enrichment and stick to it. Hope this helps a little. Best of luck to your listener, Emily. I love that email. It's mostly stuff I feel like the other person knew probably. Like I didn't it, know some good. of it. Oh, really? No, I didn't know some of it. I didn't know the thing about fired versus laid off or how to phrase what happened. Yeah. I, I really think the part emphasizing the part that she did um, about how you've been paying into the system and there's no shame in taking support from it once you get laid off. I feel like that's so important. I also want to add that uh, during the pandemic, right, when uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, when like touring got shut down and everything, uh, myself and a lot of musician friends I, I know did sort of have to come to terms with taking like pandemic assistance. Mm-hmm. Um so I did for a few months, uh, and I was super glad that I did because you have to you have to put sign up, do all this paperwork and whatever, uh, apply for these benefits, and if you're eligible, you get them. And then a full, I want to say, two years later, New York State did this thing. If you qualified for these benefits, they made you go through the entire process again. <gasps> Two years I later, remember this, and justify why you received the benefits that you received, and if they determined that you were ineligible, even though they had already deemed you eligible, um, mm. they were saying that you would have to pay them back. Oh my god! Which I think it's incorrigible and um, unethical. Oh my god! So 
I would be interested in what this person thinks about like, you know, when people are like, I paid into the system and they apply for it and they receive yeah. it. Um, You have to prove it again and again and oh again. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember when that happened. That's, that's awful. Um, And I'm sure Emily might have other stories just like that. I'm sure. I think it happened in a lot of different states after the pandemic, but yeah, it's messed up. Yes. This was a really useful email. Thank you so much. Okay, this is an email from Allie. Hello, I hope this email finds you well. I was just made aware of this website, aftertherapturepetcare.com. Essentially, it's an alternative type of insurance where you sign up for $10, so your pets, small animals, but if you say have a horse, they're willing to make alternative outside arrangements, are taken care of after all the Christians are raptured up to heaven. If I were Christian, I would do this because at the end of the day, it's a very reasonable payment of $10, and I love my <laughs> and I love my dog enough to buy her a $25 kitty pool every summer, even though she ultimately gets too excited and destroys it, so of course I would want to prepare for her comfort in the event of the rapture. Warm regards, Allie. P.S. Photos of the dog in question. Her name is Bonnie and she's pretty damn cool. I listened to the JBU episode where yourself and Allison talk to the pet psychic at least once every couple months and I'm always comforted that this animal thinks of me as her roommate and I've devoted my life to making her comfortable. Allie. Who runs <laughs> afterTheRapture.com? Because... Let me look it up. Is it... Is it you know, Gabby. 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 What? what? Is it... Is it our people? Is it our people that run this? You're talking about Jews? Yeah, I'm talking about Jews because honestly, it's a pretty good bag because <laughs> I mean, no offense, no offense to any Christian listeners, um, but you know, the rapture is not happening. Uh, <laughs> so it's like you're getting paid indefinitely for something you will never have to do. Wow. Like wow. that's a pretty good scam. That should be Ooh. on Scam Goddess. Who are these pet? This is their frequently asked questions. Who are these pet caretakers, and how do I know they'll take good of my good care of my pets? Most yeah, pet, they're not good enough to get raptured. How do we know saying, they're good? Most pet caretakers fit this description. They are atheist or another non-Christian religion. They love animals enough to register with us, even though they do not believe there will there will be a rapture or agnostic about it. They are volunteers, so they are not signing up simply to make a quick buck. In fact, they've agreed to care for the pets they rescue as their own, including being financially responsible for them. I guess in the event then, of wait, rapture. then why? So who is profiting <laughs> off of it then? If they're volunteers yeah. and the people that run the website are, if they're Christians, then where's the money going? Because are you getting raptured? Why are you running this? And where's the money going? Right. You don't need money in the rapture. If you're not Christian, then it's a good scam. Why don't it's pets a good scam. get to come with you in the rapture? My baby beans is innocent. This is news to me. I I would have assumed think, that. I, what? I don't know. I would assume that that. They say all dogs go to heaven, so, you know. They do say that. <laughs> I, I don't know why. If they were saying we will take, like, only the good ones in the rapture, Beans would go and we would be left behind. I don't think Beans would go. He wouldn't leave us. Well, I guess you don't get to He doesn't choose. have a you choice. You don't get a choice whether you're raptured. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I There's a lot of logistical inconsistencies mm -hmm. with the, the rapture. You have to, you know, it's, it, it is, I got to say, it's nice someone thought of this because, you know, not to bring up Dita, I bring up Dita a hundred times on these podcasts, but uh, our, our neighbor, neighbor who, passed, who away, passed away, um, she knew that she was dying and she didn't even um, make any arrangements for her pets. True. And she was, she knew, she was like, I'm dying in the next six months. Like, peace out. Like, <laughs> well, she should have hired after the rapture pet care. <laughs> It wouldn't have worked. She wasn't raptured. As far as we know. No, she wasn't. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs>
That's right. We were there. We don't have time to unpack that. Anyway, so also, she did not believe in God. Very true. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances. You can collaborate on your budget. You can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash bad money for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. And I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we got so much information about ADHD budgeting. Let's get into some of it. Hi, Gabby. One of your listeners wrote in about struggling with budgeting with ADHD. I have ADHD and thoughts. A caveat up front, this does assume you do actually have money to cover all your expenses and that focus is addressing how to not let executive dysfunction sabotage you. I don't want to pretend that everyone can follow this advice if they only stop spending on frivolous things like food when they could have a steady diet of bootstraps. Fuck yeah, Jessica. Ultimately, I think Mal was right about tricking your ADHD brain to work for you. Analog, automatic, and uncomplicated are our best tools. Traditional budgeting is complicated and requires too much tracking. So whether your budgeting goals are pay all my bills on time, save for vacation, or start investing, make it something you don't have to think about. Set up auto pay and sync it with when you're paid as much as possible. The caller said they have irregular payments, so this does have to be adapted to their situation. That said, try to not complicate things. Multiple accounts for different expenses got complicated quickly. I suggest two. One for monthly expenses and large expenses, and one for daily and discretionary spending. Pay yourself first. Auto deposit money for bills, building your emergency savings, investing, and saving for large expenses, for example, a car. Auto pay bills from this account to avoid late fees, and then don't touch that account for daily spending. Auto invest and automate savings towards your goals. Do not wait to see what's left at the end of the month. Your daily and discretionary expenses include costs you have some control over or could skip. This includes groceries and medical expenses. I'm aware these are not optional, but there's some level of discretion here. You're allowed to spend money in this account as long as the money is there. If you really struggle with not overspending, treat not optional costs as a monthly expense and set up the budget for groceries like a bill that you pay yourself. If that means setting up a transfer for twice a week because that's how you shop, do that. Bottom line, bills and your financial goals are prioritized and you decide how much you're allowed to spend. You put only that amount into your spending account and you schedule transfers based on what works for you. As much as possible, things are automated and out of sight. You do have to check in periodically. Set a reminder in your phone once a month or whatever interval makes sense for you. Look at your accounts and see how you're doing. Make adjustments to what's put into your spending account based on what you see and what your goals are. If you need to visualize things, you can track balances in an Excel spreadsheet and use charts to see your progress over time. Best, Jessica, she, they. Great. I love that. What was it? Analog? Analog, automatic, and uncomplicated. 
Yeah, that's really good. That's the name of your book. Oh, wow. No, those are the <laughs> things I, those are aspirational. Here's another email from Katie about ADHD and budgeting. Hi, Gabby. I don't have ADHD, but I was recommended a YouTube channel called How to ADHD by a friend who does have a kid with ADHD. I looked and there are a couple of money-related episodes you might be willing to share for the previous listener with ADHD budgeting questions. How to fix your credit also has general money management tips, which seems to feature another outside expert in ADHD financial stuff and an episode called How to Avoid Impulse Spending. Hope this might help some folks. Love the podcast, especially your commitment to not feature cis white men whenever possible. Best katie oh you know what what i realized an adhd thing that i do around finances last night i forgot to tell you what is it so i have a desire to impulse spend all the time but i'm extremely cautious and neurotic mm-hmm. so what i do is <laughs> i research the things i'm gonna buy right so like it's at night you're already sleeping i'm on my phone i'm like <laughs> What do we need? A new garden hose? I'm reading reviews of garden hoses for like an hour. I put one in my in my my digital cart, right? Uh-huh. Do the shopping. Do the online shopping. Put it in your cart. Then I then I put my phone down and I go to sleep. And then my brain forgets it's in there. So it's like I've done shopping. I get the dopamine as if I've gone shopping. Ah. I don't I don't buy the thing. Then if I really do need it, if it's something I really need, I will remember and I will go back to it because the next time I go to water the lawn or whatever, okay, that we don't water the lawn. So that's not the next time I go to apply something with the hose, right? then I'll be like, oh, I need a hose. If it's still in the shopping cart, it was meant to be. If not, bye. (laughs) That is really good advice. Just in general, that is really good advice, Mel. And you do research things a lot. Like I would just go click, click, okay, any hose will do. Any hose no. is a go- any hose a goal or whatever uh, they say on Drag Race. And then, uh, yeah, then, but you really will spend time looking for the best garden hose. You want to make sure it's quality and, um, uh-huh. you know, that's not going to break on you. Sure. And uh, it's not going to leak, you know. Okay, wow. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so this is a Instagram message. I'm just going to read a little bit of it that we got about um, answering Britney's budgeting woes with ADHD. This is per- this person is talking about how much they love you need a budget. And then they say, my only complaint is you do have to wait for your bank slash card transactions to load into the YNAB app, which for some transactions has a delay. Delay aside, this app has allowed me to be mindful of my spending without feeling overwhelmed as a person with ADHD. Also, I want to express how much your podcast has helped me navigate my finances and made me feel empowered to actually work a budget plan for my future financially. I was constantly overdrawing my account and the thought of facing my finances made my stomach do flips in a way that was not fun or sexy. After taking much of your and your guests advice over the years, I am actually able to have money in my bank account on payday and save for things that serve my goals, both fun and sexy. Thanks for all your hard work, Gabby. You make such a difference in the world. Heart. Aww. It's really sweet. Should I try to get this app? Yeah, I mean, so that's like that's like the third person who's recommended Wine App, and we are not sponsored by them, so. I could try it. I think you should. I used to use it. It was pretty good, actually. Here's the thing. Would it work like, because I have like a business account, right? And then, mm-hmm. so is it like a bank account or is it, what is it? I think it would allow you to separate them, yeah. Try it out. We should do a thing where you try it out. Well, they All should right. sponsor us first. I'll try but it. then, yeah, we should do, we should do a review. Yeah. All right. YNAB, if you sponsor us, I'll try it. It might be useful for you to try it anyway, but let people write in with your experiences with these kind of apps. I'm so curious. Also, like, I'm curious, are the people with ADHD who are using it, like, how long have you been using it? Because as somebody with ADHD, 
I will find an app that works for me and then my brain within two weeks will figure out how to game it and then it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. People have agreed with you on that. So, you know, mm-hmm. I literally, which budgeting isn't my main problem. My main problem is like focus focus apps that like make you stop looking at your phone and stuff. Right. But yeah, my I learned how to game it. Um, I even downloaded an ADHD app that's for ADHD. You know when the last time I looked at that was? When? Uh, I don't know, maybe like a week after I got it. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, here's an email from Swetha about topics to cover in your podcast. Hi, Gabby. Your podcast, the engaging and entertaining way that you cover all things money, continues to be useful, valuable, and helpful advice. Thank you for all you do. You recently asked your listeners to send ideas for topics to cover, and I have one that I hope you will consider including in a future episode. This is something that is very close to my heart and something I almost never hear covered in any financial advice platforms out there, be it a blog, podcast, or financial advice show. So I hope you will think about adding this to your list of topics. What I would love to hear about is what can single people who live alone do to position themselves for financial security that puts them at a level playing field to couples, married couples or unmarried couples who cohabitate. The economic disparity between singles and couples, in my humble opinion, is very wide. Below are just a few areas where significant cost reductions are afforded to couples that singles who live alone do not get to benefit from. Rent or mortgage, utilities, groceries, car expenses, pet expenses. Couples likely share the payment responsibilities of the above examples in some capacity, which leads them to individually pay less overall for these life expenses than a single person who lives alone. Simultaneously, couples have the opportunity to save more in retirement, invest, and also build their emergency fund to a much higher percentage than a single person who lives alone. Not to mention the other secondary privilege for couples is having more career options where couples can afford to pursue some of those more fulfilling slash less paying jobs or take on the risks of becoming entrepreneurs and starting a business because one partner will typically hold a steady job and single people do not have this luxury. But I digress. I see this economic disparity very visibly in my apartment building where a few of my neighbors live in a one-bedroom apartment like I do, and our rents are the same. The difference is they are a couple and I am single. So while I am covering all costs solely alone, they have the privilege to share the responsibility and have more free money left over to allocate to spend, save more for retirement, invest, and build their emergency savings fund with. I'm kind of surprised this topic is not covered much considering the percentage of adult singles living alone is growing in the United States. The rate keeps climbing, and as of last year, it was 15% of the adult population, or 36 million Americans. One kind request is that if this topic is covered in your podcast, I hope one suggestion to singles that is not offered is to get a roommate. I think that is terrible advice for many reasons, primarily being safety, physical, and financial. Most single adults do not have the luxury of living with family or close friends, as many times those individuals are married or have families of their own so then the single person would basically have to live with a stranger and have to take on the many unknowns and risks that come with that choice sorry to send you another very long and detailed email i wanted to give you a topic to think about including in your podcast and also provide you with some context to hopefully answer the why of why i think it's important again really appreciate everything you do to empower your listeners with financial knowledge in a way that's always easily digestible thank you gabby Swetha. I, you know what? It's funny. I was going to say get a roommate, but I was also going to be like, I've, there's so many roommate horror stories that people who say that often are people who've never had a roommate. Counterpoint. Swetha is completely right about the economic disadvantage that single people are in Mm -hmm. versus couples. On the other hand, you never have to find another person's underwear on the floor that is not your own. 
ever. Okay. So what's that worth to you, Swetha? Okay. What's it worth? This is what I was going to say, and it's not it's not funny. The flip side of this is that I see a lot of people, because I follow a lot of forums and stuff about finances, I see a lot of people who feel immensely trapped in their relationships because they've split everything financially, because they would not be able to afford their rent or mortgage alone. They would not be able to afford groceries alone. They would not be able to afford utilities alone. Um, and so there's a, lot, there's a lot of financial abuse that can happen between couples because if they broke up, the other person would not have the ability to survive on their own. Um, and so oh, yeah. it's actually a really horrible setup that, what Swayth is talking about and for those couples that our society and system is set up as such that it benefits if two people are together versus if someone is single because it causes people to be in financially abusive situations and it also causes couples to stay together that should not stay together um right. and so you know I think that that Swayth has touched on something really important which is the prioritizing of couples and the assumption that someone is in a couple in the way things are priced. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, I think it harkens back also what you're talking about uh, sort of harkens to classic misogyny also. Because if you think about it, like, you know, women for a long time, like, couldn't even get a credit card without yep, their yep, like yep. husband's permission and yep. uh, couldn't you know have their own bank account let alone like work you know that's sort of that's kind of what 
the dominant society is built on. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, there, that is like rife for financial abuse. Um, and in that way, like, I guess being single would, would be not a disadvantage, but... But it um, is a disadvantage because everything is set up for like someone like Swetha to just get into a relationship with someone who's wrong for her right, just right. in order to avoid these costs or move in too soon or move or start sharing finances too soon or think, oh, my partner makes more than me so I can relax. And then they they end up, you know, in a situation where they're stuck. That's right. I've become accommodated to a certain lifestyle. Oh my God, Mal. A custom. A custom. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, thank you so much, Swetha, for writing that in. That's really insightful. And I think um, yeah. highlighted two different things, actually, than, than the one that you just meant to highlight. Here's a question for you. What? It's interesting because it's like, yeah, our, our society, is so, we live in a society. It's <laughs> sort of set, it's set up for couples, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what Swetha is saying is that you split expenses, and that's one of the privileges of being in a couple. And also... I feel like polyamory is not – we're not set up for polyamory. But given this scenario, adding more people to split the expenses, then a polyamorous couple would be in a better – I mean a polyamorous – wow, my own bias. A polyamorous, a polyamorous like thruple, thruple. A polyamorous triad uh, would be in a better economic position. The four who lived in a house together, they had a house. Who? I don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you after. But they had a house. Oh. We didn't. We don't. Ha- we didn't have a goddamn house at that time. I knew these people. Mal, I'll tell you after. But I'm just oh. saying, like, all these people got to live in a house together, and and uh. But you know what? That's kind of thing where people are moving in with friends or living with friends. But again, like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. What if you want me to move my boyfriend in with us? I'm happy to do it. Um. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna have to say. I'm gonna have to say no. I mean, the nobody one roommate we have. Nobody is moving in. Yeah, nobody. The one roommate in. we have doesn't even pay rent. Like you have to front his rent and um. Beans, honestly, our dog. Like, yeah, beans. And honestly, like that, I I already feel like a little resentment towards beans Stop. for like not pitching in. So like, I loved yeah. when we had a roommate. We had a roommate, and I loved that. But that was my bestie. So okay, this is an email from anonymous. Hey, Gabby, I love your show. I'm a therapist in Washington State and recommend your show to many of my clients. It's also been very personally helpful in my own life. I wanted to comment on emotional support animal letters. I have a lot of feelings on this subject. Hey, oh, therapist cliche. Sadly, in most states, emotional support animal, ESA, letters have no legal teeth. I do believe that many people benefit from the emotional support of an animal. In fact, I believe that pets emotionally benefit just about everyone. For some, their pets may be able to sense when they are becoming distressed and can be trained to intervene by giving their human cues to get medicine, try a grounding exercise, etc. This relationship can be so important to some that it would be like leaving a piece of medical equipment at home or skipping an important medication. Unfortunately, the law is slow to recognize ESA companions. One of the issues is that an ESA is hard to define because the animal doesn't necessarily have specialized training and may carry out no tasks or many different tasks. This puts therapists in a legally murky position. We don't have to do anything special to write an ESA letter. There is no required training for therapists to do this. There are also virtually no official guidelines for writing an ESA letter most places. They are completely unregulated. We are opening ourselves up to liability whenever we stamp our signature and credentials onto a document. 
document. That makes many therapists very nervous. For instance, if the animal ends up harming someone in the building or on an airplane, could we be sued? What if we don't write the letter carefully and accidentally misrepresent the information and the animal? The letter could then be useless or worse. I will also admit that I get annoyed when asked to write a letter for a client who doesn't want to pay extra rent, but totally can, and is very obviously trying to mislead their landlord, i.e. the animal is not actually an ESA. Don't get me wrong, I don't give a fuck about the landlord, lol. I do get annoyed because unfortunately more and more landlords are refusing to accept ESA letters altogether because some people have taken advantage of the system. Right. In my right. opinion, the people most likely to take advantage of the system are usually more financially privileged. They can afford to go to therapy or pay a dubious online service to write them a letter. More on that later. Mm. Often the folks who need this service most are the ones who can't afford it. I strongly believe that you shouldn't be able to discriminate against people who own animals in housing. Obviously, you shouldn't be able to own a horse in an apartment because that's animal abuse. But come on, dogs and cats are part of our culture. They're part of our families. Discrimination against pets causes so much inequity and can be life-threatening for the humans too. For instance, people fleeing domestic violence are less likely to leave if they can't bring their animals. This happens a lot. However, I don't think writing ESA letters to circumvent this problem is the answer. I strongly urge the Bad With Money listeners to think long and hard before asking for an ESA letter. You are asking your therapist to give you something essentially worthless at best, or you are asking them to risk their credentials and livelihood at worst. It's also using a system designed for disabled people in a way that makes it harder for disabled people to access it. Not cool. At the end of the day, I'm not going to judge anyone who's got to do what they got to do. But ask yourself, do I actually need this or am I just throwing my privilege around in a broken system? I have a feeling that's going to rustle a few feathers. A couple more notes. Therapists, especially newer therapists, don't usually understand the legal ramifications of writing ESA letters. Most therapists, especially those who are new to the field, are very underpaid. A whole other rant. And can't afford to consult with a lawyer. I didn't realize how many things had been normalized in our field that are really, really risky. ESA letters are less legally risky than other things, but I'd urge therapists to be protective of their hard-earned credentials. People can and do lose them. In my opinion, online services that charge a flat fee to write an ESA letter are kind of scammy in a corporate way. They are the least likely letter to hold up in court, and yes, they do end up in court sometimes, because they aren't your actual therapist, so there isn't an established relationship, meaning they are less credible. Personally, I would avoid these services. I wish I had a great recommendation or solution. In my practice, I would only write a letter for a client after talking with them about it extensively. I would want them to understand the risks and drawbacks. For this reason, I don't write a lot of ESA letters. I know this can feel like gatekeeping, but I could write a whole other long rant about how most therapists are not the powerful, rich, well-respected, wise ones we are sometimes portrayed as. Our field is broken. Anyway, thank you for all the amazing work you do. I hope you are compensated fairly for all your labor. Smiley face, best. Please don't read my name on air. Therapists can be judged. <laughs> mm, it's interesting because this person is like so like careful meanwhile on tiktok yesterday i saw one person be like my therapist called and and said that they can't see me anymore because they're dating my dad <laughs> oh my god yeah and that's the thing so yeah that... your profession is not doing well <laughs> yeah that's the thing is that it's so unregulated. It's so like, just like, whatever it is, man. <laughs> ah! Oh Good my God. Luck. Yeah. Your, your therapist doesn't do ESA letters. She doesn't. No, she told me she yeah, doesn't. She doesn't. She has blanket. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't. She did do my gender letter, but she does not do ESA letters. Oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, so we're um, recording these in a, in a bank. Um, and so this will be the episode for August 12th, what? but- we're recording the we're banking these. Oh, in a bank. I was like, we're not in a bank. Good God, Mal. Okay. Anyway, we're banking these, pun intended. 
And so um, we just released an episode today about childcare. And uh, so I want to read a couple things from that, but not that many. And then some Apple reviews and a Patreon. And then I'll let you guys go. This is a, a message that we got for this episode that came out today from Instagram. Hi, Gabby. I wanted to send a quick message about genetic testing with IVF. I thankfully haven't had to go that route, but after my second miscarriage, I had genetic testing on the fetal material. Our baby had trisomy 16, so three copies of that chromosome. Fetuses slash babies with this chromosomal makeup cannot survive past the first trimester. He stopped growing at about six weeks in utero. I know there's controversy around some genetic testing, but if we had to do IVF, I would absolutely have done genetic testing based on my history of miscarriage. Not because I wouldn't welcome a child with disabilities, but because there are many chromosomal abnormalities where the only result is miscarriage or possible death shortly after birth. Just wanted to share that perspective. So this was something where a lot of the emails about IVF talked about genetic testing and I started feeling like I was yeah. rushing up against that. I heard you saying, um, this is bumping for me, which seems to be your new favorite phrase. Because it's gentle. It's a gentle way to say, I don't know how I feel about this and maybe I know. it's not this, working I out for me. I guess this is this is bumping for me. It makes me think of bumper cars. Oh, I know it's from like being in a writer's room where I'm like, I don't I don't want to be rude. So you're like, um, not that I don't like this, but it is bumping for me. <laughs> It's like, it's therapized talk. I heard you say you bu you were bumping on it. So. Yeah, we got a lot of responses, but we don't have time for that right now. We want to welcome our new patron, Julia. You can be a patron at patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. And then I'm going to read two Apple reviews, and then maybe I'll read the, the Apple review from the, from the person who doesn't like me, but we'll see. Okay, so this is uh, a five-star review from Dobe, and it says, Amazeballs Podcast. Love, love, love this show. Both Gabby's podcast and book Bad With Money have helped me navigate the money world more than anything else. They give practical real world advice and also help give voice to diverse perspectives on the ways that our system is messed up, but also how we can move forward and challenge these systems. I love the mailbag episode so much. I feel like it's an office hours and Gabby's the cool professor helping answer all the questions, but also encouraging listeners to live their best lives. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is a five-star review from Jha2, and it says, smart without making you feel dumb, funny, inclusive, and great information and debate. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, let me just take a look at this one that is so funny. So this is a three-star review. And I uh -oh. last episode, I think we said that we were going to, I was going to make this my new tagline, decent advice, intolerable host. <laughs> There's decent advice in the podcast, but Gabby's woe is me victim mentality gets progressively worse Ooh. through the seasons. And then they misgender me. They misgender me. I've been out for over a year. But anyway, they misgender me. Whatever. Tries to make things seem 10 times worse than they truly are. And what I believe is an attempt to radicalize people. Ooh. <laughs> um, I ha you know, you are a lot of things. <laughs> you're a lot of things. Sure. Intolerable at times. Yeah. <laughs> But but I, I would never say that you are a victim or, or you portray yourself like I don't think you really do. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Anybody who's um, any sort of marginalized person, anytime they complain, it's because they're right. a victim, you see. Right. But they it's don't even know whistle. I'm trans clearly because they misgender me in the in the review. So, you know, I think they probably know and don't care and don't care. Um, anyway, Decent Advice Intolerable Host is now the new tagline for this podcast. 
if you yeah. would like to write in and submit your uh, voicemails or voice messages, uh, you can do so at GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. Join our online communities too. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of these will be listed in the episode description. Don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. Also, leave me a five-star Apple review to uh, shut out that that three-star review please let's pile on so that nobody sees that one if you want to write in for our next listener write-in episode we are doing one about medical testing and selling your body to science we're also going to do one about the cost of transitioning so email those in or call in at 844-474-4040 and mal where can people find you you can find me at mal blum m-a-l-b-l-u-m on pretty much every platform bye Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.